There are a bunch of our brothers and sisters in Christ around this world that right now are suffering greatly for their faith in Jesus Christ. And there are uh, men and women like Sun Jung Nam from North Korea, who for the last year has been awaiting public execution for simply telling people about the good news of God's love for them in Christ. Haven't heard a lot from him lately. They're not even sure if he's still alive. But he represents thousands and thousands of Christ's followers who are suffering and being persecuted for their faith. I wonder how it would be for us if we were in prison for our faith awaiting execution what do you think we would pray for? I, I'm pretty sure I'd just start with, like, Lord, could you do the Peter thing one more time? You know, when you took the angel into the cell, and all of a sudden the chains fell off, and then the door started wa- opening up, and he just walked right out. Could you do one of those for me? Just get me out of here. Deliverance. Maybe it's for protection. Maybe it's for some kind of comfort. I can think of all the things that I would pray for in a situation like that. And that's what amazes me when I go to a man like Paul at the end of Ephesians chapter 6 who calls himself a prisoner of the Lord, an ambassador in chains for Christ. He is in prison as he's writing this letter. And I, I hear about what he's praying for and I go, wow, how does he get there? What does he pray for? He doesn't pray for deliverance. He doesn't pray for freedom. He doesn't pray for creature comforts. He prays not for a boldness to escape, but for a boldness to proclaim the mystery of the gospel fearlessly. He's just focused in on God's mission, not his own misery. And I'm going, wow. How how do you get to the point where you're actually in prison, facing death, and you're not worried about yourself? You're worried about God's mission. How does he get there? And I think the answer is in our text this morning, he gets there because he's praying in the Spirit. In fact, that's going to be our teaching this morning. God's Word is just talking to us about praying in the Spirit. I think he got there because it's the Spirit who guided him to make sure that his prayers were in line with God's heart. And that's why he prayed for boldness, not for deliverance. Well, as we're winding up the book, literally today and next week, kind of just go back and do an overview of it. it. It's just good to remember this. God is on a mission. God is not passive. He's not distant. He's on a mission. It's a rescue mission. And it has us in view And it's all centered in his work of bringing all things together. Chapter 1, verse 10. Things in heaven, things on earth. Uniting all those things together in Christ under one head, under one leader. And that mission has pursued us even as it's pursuing other peoples. And that's why we have a new song to sing. Because God in his grace pursued us in his mission of rescue in love through his son. So now... As recipients of that mission and His grace, we find our identity rooted in Christ. And then we find out that God in His grace doesn't want to just pursue us with His mission, but He wants us to pursue the mission for Him. And so now we are living out our identity in all the areas of life, 
From chapter 4 on, he talks about, well, we're to start walking out this identity as we walk out our relationships with each other in the church and out in the world and in our homes, in our marriages, with our kids, in the workplace. Walk it out. He says, I want you to pursue this mission. And there's this really interesting progression where he talks about walking out our faith, our calling in a manner that's worthy of, of the God who's called us to be his sons and daughters. To go from walking in chapter 4, verse 1, then we note that his command in chapter 6, 10 through 13 is stand. Don't walk anymore. Stand. Stand firm. How do we stand firm? Well, he's been telling us, right? By putting on this armor. It's the belt of truth. It's the breastplate of righteousness. It's those war boots, feet fitted with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's the shield of faith. It's the helmet of salvation. It's the sword of the spirit. He said, that's how you're going to stand strong, by putting on all the armor of God. And so going back a few weeks when Michael George was talking to us about uh, a, a wartime mindset, we remember this picture of he and his buddy, and they've got all their body armor on. And that's where we are in the text. We've got all the armor on. And imagine Mike giving a command to his men who are about to engage in conflict. And the first, the next thing he tells them now that they've donned their armor is get on your knees. Fight on your knees. It's complete paradox. But that's the the movement and the progression and the paradox of the text. From... 4-1, walking, to 6-10 through 13, standing, to 6-18, get on your knees. If you want to stand in the battle, Paul says, you got to fight on your knees. You need to get on your knees. You need to kneel in prayer. Completely unexpected. And yet, an important teaching for all of us, that if we're going to stand In this thing called life, in this day where there is evil and there really is an enemy and he wants to take us out, that we need to understand our strength has everything to do with our posture, with a life that says before God, I'm not strong enough. I need you. Help me to pray. So get in your Bibles, chapter 6 of Ephesians, verses 18 through 20. You find that on page 830. As we look at this whole matter of fighting on our knees. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, what is prayer? Prayer is just simply talking to God. I like how John Piper puts it in his classic book, Desiring God. Prayer is a walkie-talkie for wartime, not a domestic intercom for increasing our convenience. So you think about a walkie-talkie. I don't think they call them walkie-talkies anymore in the military. 
But you think about the means of communication in a war where the commanders can talk to the men and soldiers on the field and vice versa for supplies, for cover, for positions, for strategy, for reports. He said he wants you to think about prayer like this, Piper says, not like, and I'll just put it, not like a a hotel phone, you know, where you pick it up and you go front desk. You pick it up, you go room service. Man, really hungry. Could you bring a burger up here? You know, could you get a mechanic up here? This air conditioning's not working right yet. It's all about our convenience, that hotel phone. He says, that's not what prayer's like. It's wartime communication. It's talking to the general, to the God of this universe who knows us, who loves us, who hears us. And if we all spoke at the same time right now, he wouldn't miss a syllable and go, wait a minute, repeat that again because I forget, was that you, John, or was that you, Mark? He's got it all. So that's what prayer is. It's talking to God. And he says, we need to get on our knees if we're going to stand firm in this fight of faith. So get on our knees involves two things. It involves, in our text here, praying in the Spirit, verse 18, and keeping alert in prayer, verse 18. So first of all, praying in the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, first of all, it assumes that if we're praying in the Spirit, it's because we have the Spirit. Well, how do we receive the Spirit? And, and what Spirit are we talking about? Well, when the Spirit is used in the Bible... It usually is little s or big s. Little s speaks about our spirit, the inner part of our being, our heart, if you will. When it's big s, it's talking about the spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. God has revealed himself as one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All equally God, yet distinct, yet one. And if your mind's going, I don't think I can, none of our minds can grab that. It's a mystery, and yet God has clearly given it to us. And we know even from the opening verses of Ephesians chapter 1, you read through verses 3 through 14, and you can see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all referenced there. It's the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, given us by Christ, that is ours, that comes to us, chapter 1 says, when we believe the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, then having believed, we're marked in him with a seal. And that seal is a seal of ownership. And that seal is the spirit who now comes into our life and becomes a guarantee, a deposit of the good things and the fuller things that we're going to have in heaven where we exchange what we have through the spirit now with eyes of faith, being his very physical presence. So Paul says the very same thing about the Spirit's work in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And what we know from Ephesians is this Spirit that's marked us and now inhabits our hearts through faith in Christ is a spirit that gives us access. He gives us communication to the Father, chapter 2, verse 18. It's through the Spirit and by the Spirit that we have access to the Father. We have an open line of communication. It's the same Spirit we read about in chapter 4 that will be grieved. He's a person. He's not an it. 
And he's grieved when, when we fight and when there's anger and when there's unresolved conflict in our lives. It saddens the spirit that comes to unify us. Not only that, it's the same spirit that fills us in chapter 5, verse 18. And the marks of that filling are joy and worship and thanksgiving and submission to one another. It's the spirit of Christ, Romans 8, 9, in us. So what does it mean then to pray in the Spirit? Not in my spirit, but in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to do that? Well, first of all, it means that we allow the Spirit to guide us. One of the things we learn about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit was given to us to guide us. He guides us into what to pray. So in John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says, well, this Spirit will guide you into all truth. And so the Spirit guides us in what to pray as he reminds us of God's word. So look at verse 17, the verse right before our text this morning. And what's the last referent to the Spirit in in verse 17? It's called the sword of the what? Of the Spirit, which is what? The word of God. Now we need to note this progression. It's the sword of the Spirit that's connected to praying in the Spirit. Because how the Spirit guides us in our prayers is by reminding us of the truth of God's Word. So that what we're actually praying, we're we're praying about God's purpose. That's how we can explain that Paul prayed for what he prayed. Why in the world is he praying about the mission of God when he may be losing his life in the next few minutes? Because he's praying in the Spirit who's guiding him in what to pray according to God's word. And so, when we have ourselves, when we find ourselves kind of struggling in our prayer life, it's good to remember that maybe the reason our hearts are cold, maybe the reason we feel like we're only getting about as far as that panel right up there on the ceiling is because our prayers somehow have become divorced from God's word. And so as we read the word and allow God to speak to us and meditate on God's word, actually it's the meditation of God's word that starts to just trigger prayers, prayers of praise, prayers of thanks, prayers of God help me, God forgive me, prayers of praying for other people. It's meditation on God's word. And as we find ourselves praying according to God's word, we understand that we're actually praying according to God's will. And when we know we're praying according to God's will, we can have confidence that that's what he wants for me. That's what he'll give for me. So an example from where we've recently been in the text. We know God says to us in his word that we are to be made strong in him so that we could stand firm in the midst of temptation and attack. And so if we find ourselves being tempted by something and we say, God, help me, help me to resist this temptation and to stand strong in the face of it, we know that's what he wants for us. And we can be confident that he is going to answer that prayer. Huge confidence. That's what the Spirit does. Not only helping us to know what to pray for, but helping us to know who to pray for. And so there'll be times as you're driving in the car and you're disciplining yourself to just have silence and it's not always the radio on, it's not always the disc in, it's not the phone on, the Bluetooth going. It's just quiet. You find yourself 
hearing God speak to you in the midst of speaking to him. You find yourself being drawn to pray for someone. Maybe you haven't thought about that person for weeks or months or years, but all of a sudden, God places them in your mind. It's the Spirit guiding you, not only on what to pray for and how to pray, but who to pray for. That's what the Spirit does. That's what praying in the Spirit is about. Not only is it about that, it's about His help because the, the Spirit is called the, um, the encourager, the comforter, the paraclete, the one who's literally called alongside of us to help us. And one of the ways the Spirit helps us, Romans, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, is this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. He prays for us with groans that words can't express. So here's what I know as a pastor. That if I could get Dave Halpert, our technician this morning, if I could get Dave to somehow electronically hook up microphones to the hearts of each of us here and the aches of our hearts for hard things in our life, there would be a deafening roar in this room that would be overwhelming. That's life in a fallen world. It's hard. It's where, where you're at right now, a lot of us. And, and when we find ourselves in those hard things and hard places, there are times where we don't know what to say and all we can do as we go to God in prayer is moan and groan and just that's all we can do. We, we can't even articulate the pain. The Spirit helps. And praying in the Spirit is just allowing Him to take all that stuff in our life that's hard and just bring it right to the Father. And then the Father says, yeah, I I know what you need. He gives us what we need. It's huge. The Spirit not only helps us in that way, but He empowers us. Look at chapter 3, verse 16. In chapter 3, 16, Paul writes, this is his prayer for his friends. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he's speaking about the Father here, that out of the Father's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. How? Through his Spirit in your inner being. And so praying in the Spirit means praying in the power of the Spirit, which talks about energy for prayer. It means persistence in prayer. It means faith in prayer. It means believing that God is good in the midst of situations that are hard, believing his word is true as we pray after God's will. It's the power that helps us keep on praying. But praying in the Spirit also, as we see in the text here, we understand that praying in the Spirit is where the Spirit starts prompting us so that we're praying on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. All occasions just means we pray all the time. Whenever, wherever, whatever. Just pray. Talk to God about all these things. So think about yesterday, Saturday, okay? Just, just hit the replay, hit the rewind, and then just do the fast forward in your mind. All the things you did, all the places you went, all the conversations you had, Just play that out in your mind. There wasn't a place you went. There wasn't a thing or activity that you did. There wasn't a person that you were with and a conversation that you had where you didn't have an opportunity, maybe not out loud, but quietly in your own heart, 
to pray, to talk to God. On all occasions, whenever, wherever, for whatever. The line's always open, always having an opportunity. And he says, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers. And, and as you went through that day, you had opportunities, and I had opportunities to say, God, you're great. You think about all the different kinds of prayers. Well, there's prayers of praise. God, you're great. We're praising God for who he is. God, thank you for protecting me. I almost got in an accident. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer of confession. Lord, thanks for forgiving me. Thank you, Lord, that if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And you think about all the things that we were worried about yesterday. We had opportunities not only to give prayers of praise, prayers of thanks, prayers of confession, but we had opportunities to just say, God, here's the cares of my heart. Here's my anxiety. Here are the things that are near and dear to me, and I'm going to cast them on you because I know you care for me. That job, the indebtedness, that program you're trying to get into, that broken relationship and you're wanting to forgive this person, but it's so hard for a health issue for a struggle in your life. We just, we give them out. We're, we're really good at this part, aren't we? We got the petition thing down. But throughout yesterday, we had all kinds of occasions to say, God, help me with this. Help me with this. I trust you for this. And then we have opportunities to pray for others. It's called intercession. We're just praying for others. Two examples of how Paul prayed for his friends in Ephesians was chapter 1. Verses 15 through 19, chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. Two great examples of how Paul prayed for his friends, asking God to meet their needs. So, are you a person who prays in the Spirit? Well, here's how you know. You know you're praying in the Spirit when more and more of your prayers find themselves rooted and radically connected to God's truth. And, and that's the driving passion of your prayers, to pray after God. Lord, I don't want you to just fix me. I, I want my will more and more to be bent towards your purposes. And you know you're praying in the Spirit when your prayers are seasoned with the truth and running parallel to the truth of God's Word. You know you're praying in the Spirit when it becomes a regular thing where, you know, God brought you to mind the other day. And I just want to follow up. Is is everything okay? How are you doing? He keeps bringing people to mind. You know you're praying in the Spirit when you move beyond just praying for physical things. Like Paul did. It wasn't about his chains. It wasn't about his freedom. It wasn't about the the injuries he may have sustained there in prison. It, It was about spiritual things. We know we're praying in the Spirit when we move beyond. It's not like we can't bring the physical things. But there's more than just the physical things. We know we're praying in the Spirit when there's this growing sense of intimacy with God in prayer. And we're we're not just ready to run, but we're we're starting to grow to just love that time and those times throughout the day to be with Him. You know, you're praying in the Spirit when you find yourself standing firm in the midst of spiritual attack. So... The question is, do we really believe 
God's teaching this morning. That fundamentally, if we're not people of prayer, we're not strong. We're not strong. No prayer, no strength. No strength, no victory. Much prayer, much strength. Much prayer, much victory in the whole fight of faith. Do we really believe that? Because at the end of handing out all six pieces of the armor, he says, look, if you don't have my spirit to help you put it on, to help you grab hold of the faith and of the sword that I've given you, you will not stand strong. So how are your knees? How are your knees? You know, as athletes, we often say, I I quit competing when my knees got bad. Can't do it anymore. And we know what happened for that person. They abuse their knee, their body, in such a way that their knees are shot. And so they can no longer compete. But for, for the Christian and spiritual side of things, it's completely different. We ruin our knees when we don't use them. It's not from use and abuse. It's from neglect. Spiritual arthritis sets in. How are your knees? Do you understand that if you're going to stand strong, you've got to get on your knees. You've got to fight on your knees. Well, the second thing he says is, if we're going to get on our knees, not just praying in the Spirit, but we've got to stay awake. We've got to be alert. See that in the middle of verse 18? Be alert. Keep on praying for all the saints. Well, what does it mean to be alert? Well, three things. To be alert means that you're conscious that there is an enemy who wants to take you out. And so you're ready. You're, you're looking around. You're on guard. Remember the story in Matthew 26 of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples? And, and he goes to the, to the garden to pray there as he's um, reflecting on his soon-to-be death that next day on the cross. He says, pray with me. And three times his friends fall asleep in prayer. Three times. In the middle of that, he says, watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. You're on guard that there's an enemy who's going to tempt us and you're watching for that. You're ready for that. Peter talks about this too in chapter 5 of his first letter. 1 Peter 5, 8. What does he say? He says, be self-controlled and alert because you've got an enemy who's like a roaring lion who's seeking to pounce. And so being alert means being self-controlled. Well, what does that mean? It means that the Spirit of Christ is in us, and one of the manifestations and one of the results of the Spirit in us is He gives self-control. Why do I need self-control? Because self-control is going to preserve me in temptation when I'm tempted to lose control and give in to the desire. You stay awake by being self-controlled disciplined in the spirit by God's grace. Third thing, Colossians 4 verse 2 says this regarding being alert. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That one of the things that we want to connect here is staying awake is being thankful. And here's the connection. We've said it a number of times. That when I'm thankful to God, I'm mindful of his goodness. 
when I'm mindful of his goodness, I'm not tempted like Eve to think maybe he's not good. Maybe he's holding back something that is good and I'm a lot less prone to the temptations that would come our way that would say, actually, this is for your good. No, it's not. I know what's good. He's good. I know his word's good. And this shortcut is not good. And I stay alert. Not just by being on guard for the enemy, but being awake to God's goodness so there's thankfulness in my life. So he says, be alert. And the question here is not, have you fallen asleep in prayer? If you're like me, I know I have. I remember my friend Jerry. Worked with him on staff. Jerry's the kind of guy who'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And so it was a little hard when we got to staff meeting at 1.30 in the afternoon and had a half-hour prayer. And there were more than once, Jerry started snoring in the middle of staff prayer. Now, I'm picking on Jerry, but, you know, I, I can think of times where Lori and I would end the day praying, and Lori would be praying, and all of a sudden I realized before she said amen, I had fallen asleep, and I woke up when she said Amen. The question is not, have you fallen asleep in prayer? Because the answer for most of us is, yeah. Yeah, we fall asleep in prayer. The question is this morning, have you fallen asleep on prayer? Have you fallen asleep on prayer? Stay alert. And he says, keep on praying. It's our, it's our value, isn't it? Persistent prayer, devoting ourselves to pray continually. Keep on praying. Don't give up. One of the commentators wrote this, most Christians pray sometimes with some prayers and some degree of perseverance for some of God's people. But that's not the teaching here, is it? Pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Keep on praying for all the saints. So don't give up. You think about that person you've been praying for for 30 years. Maybe it's your brother. Maybe it's your mother. Maybe it's a It's a child. You think about person you've been praying for, situations you've been praying for at work for years and years. Don't give up. Keep on praying, he says. And keep on praying for all the saints. And when we pray for all the saints, here's what we're doing, to use the battle metaphor. We're giving cover to each other. We're covering each other. Just what a platoon would do is one of their own was wounded out there and a guy goes out and says, I'm going to go get him. Cover me. And we know what happens. There's a barrage of fire. And in the cover of that fire, he goes out in the mission. And so we're going out. And God says, hey, cover your brothers and sisters. Cover them with your prayers. Does our prayer life, does our prayer list reflect that we're, we're about more than just us? There's other people, our brothers and sisters in this place. Look at this slide. We think about our brothers and sisters here. There's a group there up in Luxembourg. Our brothers and sisters at our sister church in Los Olivos in Guatemala. A group in Cairo, in Albania, in all around the world. There's a great website, Operation World. You've got to write that down to help us grow to be better people of prayer for our brothers and sisters around the world. There, there's a sheet out at the resource table that you ought to pick up. And on it are five people, like Son, who, who are imprisoned right now and being persecuted. PrisonerAlert.com, Voice of the Martyrs, a great website for, for you and I to get in touch with brothers and sisters who've got it really hard right now. 
and our prayers make a difference in their life. So how do we pray for them? Well, how did Paul ask his friends to pray for him? Look at verse 19 and 20 again. Pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. He said, pray that God would give me the right thing to say and that he'd give me boldness to say it so that I could proclaim the mystery of the gospel. What's the mystery? That Christ died for everybody, not just for the Jews. Help me to get that word out. Boy, may that be our prayer, my prayer, your prayer, our prayer here at Door Creek. And I think about what's coming up in a few weeks, in about eight weeks from now, at the end of October. We're going to go through this series. I'm so excited about it. Just walk across the room, taking small steps to point people that God's placed in our life to Jesus Christ, that they might believe in him and have their lives changed by him. So let's bring it home. We don't pray because a lot of us don't plan to pray. And so we need to plan to pray. Life here on this earth is war. Our strength is in prayer. So we need to plan to pray a time and a place. How many of us took a vacation? I guarantee you didn't get up on the first day of vacation and you didn't have a plan. You planned it. You're planning your work. You're planning your retirement portfolio. You're, tra- you're planning your training schedule for your fall sport. We, we plan. We've got to plan our prayer life, a place and a time. We need to make a list. It'll give us focus. Find scriptures for the people that we're praying for the categories. You can use the categories that we just went to. Have a category of praise. Have a category called thanks. Have a category called confession. Have a category called me. Have a category called others. Make a list. Prepare and plan for the distractions. If you're like me, your mind can go places so quickly it's scary. It's scary how I can start in, at this point in prayer, and before I know it, I'm here, I'm here, I've gone over here, and I'm, I'm everywhere. Distractions. Sometimes it's good to just pray out loud. Sometimes it's good to write it out. Sometimes it's good to walk and talk. Sometimes it's good to just have a piece of paper so that when a distraction that's important for you to remember comes, you just write it down so you can forget it now and keep praying. And that brings me to the fourth one. Pray until you pray. What does that mean? It means keep on praying so that you've moved beyond a formality. You've moved beyond words that 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 aren't from here they're just words it's just ritual pray until you pray till your heart's engaged don carson in his book on prayer put it this way in the western world we're so quick we're we're not good with silence we're not good with slowing down and and so our prayer life is is like doorbell ditch we we run up to god's doorbell say help and then we run away Pray until you pray. 
It's an attitude throughout the day. But there are times where we just quiet ourselves before God and we pray. And pray until you've prayed. Long enough and honestly enough to engage your heart with the God who loves you. Finally, find a friend. And that's the great thing about the opportunities in Quick Connect is, is relationships with people who want to grow in Christ. Find a friend, someone that you can pray alongside of and pray with and be encouraged by. So take your um, questions this week. I'd encourage you, I'd encourage you to dig deeper in this whole matter of prayer. I don't think there's a one of us here that saith that says, I'm really satisfied with my prayer life. I would think if it came to grading our prayer lives, there would be very few A's in this room. I wouldn't have an A. Don't be discouraged in that. But maybe at the beginning of this kind of fall year, where for most of us it's kind of like the new year, just say, God, help me. Get into, the, get into God's word. Start praying. Get on your knees that you might stand strong. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you that you, the creator of this world, you care about us. You've spoken to us. You're speaking to us through your word and your spirit, and you long to hear from us. We don't get it. We think of important people in this world that, that wouldn't give a rip of what's going on in our life. And you eternal almighty God of this universe creator of everything you want us to come to you with all the cares of our heart and so we worship you and we thank you and we confess our prayerlessness that Lord we do have bad knees so strengthen us that we might be a people who individually and together regularly get on our knees that we might stand strong until you come In his name we pray, amen.